Welcome to the Garden of Belonging, a podcast exploring the things that help us belong to ourselves and the things that get in our way. I'm your host, Kim K. Gray, a life coach for good girls and people pleasers, dedicated to helping them know, trust, and courageously share their voices. In this podcast, we will explore topics such as self-knowledge, self-trust, self-acceptance, and self-expression. The world needs our unique gifts. It's time we connect with our inner voice and show up fully as ourselves. Today, I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Megan Miller. Megan has been a mental health therapist for over 10 years and recently added coaching into her practice with an emphasis on supporting individuals to develop greater mindfulness and self-care in their daily lives. She currently offers both therapy and coaching through online platforms. Last year, she moved from Portland to the Oregon coast where she lives with her partner and their cat in a tiny cabin in the woods. Hi, Megan. Thank you for joining me and for being here. Yeah. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So to start, I wondered if you could just share a little bit about who you are and what you're passionate about. Yeah, thanks. Um, So yeah, like you said, my name's Megan. Um, I am a therapist and a mindfulness coach. So I've worked as a mental health therapist for, gosh, I think... 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I just passed the anniversary of 10 years of being in private practice of working wow. for myself. Congratulations. I completely, <laughs> thank you. I completely missed it. It came and went in November and I wasn't even paying attention. Um, and then last year, I, um, this is how we know each other, attended the Beautiful You coaching program. Um, and since then have added coaching into my business and I focus specifically on mindfulness and self-care, mm-hmm. um, which to me is about the building blocks of how we make decisions and how we move forward in our life is by focusing on the day to day and being really present and really tuned in with ourselves and our needs. Um, and from there, so much is possible. Like that allows us to get clarity about where we want to go and about the bigger decisions in our life when we can start with those smaller building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you had asked in, uh, to share what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a year ago, just over a year ago, I moved out. From, I moved from Portland to a tiny house out in the woods. Um, and it's not a permanent move. There's a lot of things about it that are really challenging. But since I've, I've been here, I've gotten really obsessed with observing nature and the natural world and just being really connected to what's happening outside of us. Um, and that, that was present in Portland, and I just never noticed it, right? Because uh-huh. there's so many distractions and so much stimulation. And so since I've been here, I'm really tuned into what is the moon doing? How are the animals migrating? Um, you know, what time is the sunset every day and just becoming more interested in, in that and nature, the world around us. Um, I'm hoping to incorporate that into my work more. I've done a little bit of that so far, but, um, part of it is just a hobby. It's just something Mm -hmm. that I'm finding myself gravitating towards more. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Great. So what does self-trust mean to you and how (laughs) has it affected your life? (laughs) Yeah, I, I love this question. Um, I love this topic that you picked because 
as I was thinking about it, I, I remembered that there was a time as a therapist that I realized that probably all of the work that I was doing, that the foundation of the work that I was doing with just about every single one of my clients was on self-trust. That mm. if you sort of look at the foundation of what we were working on, it's do you trust yourself, your emotions, your needs? Um, and I think that's true with coaching too, as far as the work that I do, at least that trust is really the foundation, self-trust, mm -hmm. um, learning to care, be compassionate for, and like really trust yourself and your own needs. Um, this is also something in my own journey that's been really important. And I will share I, a piece of feedback that I've gotten more than once in my life is that I need to learn to trust myself more. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I don't know if that sounds familiar. Um, and what to me that said was it, it was some kind of reassurance from the people around me who were saying, don't worry so much, you're doing fine. The thing that you need to work on is having more confidence or believing that you're doing fine, that you're doing enough. Um, so that's that's been a big theme in my life, in my journey. And then, like I said, I've also seen it with the clients I've worked with. It feels really foundational to the work that I've done with all of my clients. Um, and then was there a second part to that question that I missed? Um, I just asked how it affected your life. And I think you, you captured that. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Do you think that, um, that self-trust is just a general foundation in everyone's lives and that's why it's really shown up with all your clients? Or do you think that you attracted those kind of clients in some way? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, so that's interesting because I, I do want to highlight, and I'm curious your thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. um, as I've been thinking about this idea of self-trust, I've also been thinking about the value in, um, which is going to sound strange, but the value in self-doubt or in being able to question ourselves mm. and like self-reflect on things. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's a balance in in how those things fit together that we find find this foundation of trust but that that doesn't mean i can't take in information from the world around me or you know i can't be flexible in my thinking or take a new perspective um and so i think you're right i think i haven't worked with a lot of those clients there are some people who are probably on the far other end of the spectrum where they need to work on a little bit more um, self-reflection or taking in more feedback from the world around them about their behavior mm -hmm. um but yeah i i've just found with a lot of the clients that i've worked with and and maybe it's also people who tend to seek out therapy or coaching people who are looking for somebody to help them yeah. um self-reflect and are willing to reach out and get help or um just tend to be more on that end of the spectrum of uh doubting themselves and wanting support about figuring out what's going on with me and can i really um, believe in myself and trust in the decisions that I'm making. Um, yeah, I'd be curious, it, this might come up later, but that part about, and self-doubt probably isn't quite the right word, but I've been thinking about this other side of self-reflection, maybe, that, that self-trust isn't, I just exist in a vacuum and I'm just going to make decisions about my life without any sort of feedback or perspective from the world around me. Yeah. Um, 
and but it can be hard to find that balance and um yeah some of us fall more on the end of the spectrum of needing to work on building the self-trust we already have the like questioning and thinking about what does everybody else think and am i like considering all the variables here um but yeah i think there's there's a balance there that that we all need to find between those two like really believing in ourselves but allowing some flexibility in what we take in from the world around us yeah absolutely and i think yeah, that relates. That makes sense yeah <clears throat> yeah and i think that relates to one of my questions later but we can bring it in now which is just like how do we do how do we find that balance like um how do we balance the voices of the experts out there or our friends or our family right. and our own inner voice? Um, right. Do you have thoughts on that? I do. Yeah, I do. If you want to skip ahead to that question. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, jump around. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so it's funny because my, my initial reaction to that question about experts, and maybe this comes from living in a tiny house out in the woods for too long, but my initial reaction is I kind of don't care what mm -hmm. experts have to say. And, and that's not, that's not entirely true. There is a value in information and in expert information and in research in, um, knowing that something has been studied or that there's information out there about, you know, what people know that's not known to me. Um, but I guess I think about that also in terms of like, who are the people that we've identified as experts mm. and just feeling like the whole system is kind of dysfunctional. You know, if we look at, you know, who are the experts in government or in academic institutions or the people that we've given this power to of saying, you know, we've, we've identified you as being an expert. Um, I, you know, and again, there's a balance in that of like needing to take in information about research and what is known to us. But I also like, as I get older, I just see those systems as being so flawed and yeah. really kind of one sided and, um, yeah, that the a lot of the people who we've given power to as experts, you know, it, it doesn't really take in the full range of experience. And I guess that being a flawed system in and of itself, that we've identified somebody as being an expert or given power to certain people who don't necessarily deserve it mm -hmm. um, or aren't using it appropriately. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that... Yeah that's where we have to kind of bring in some discernment right you know i think yes similar to you yeah. like as i've gotten older i'm questioning more you know there's all these things that i just right. knew as true right because that's what i was right. taught in school or that's what like the expert says and i'm just exactly. building more discernment where i'm questioning and going and digging further and finding out well, what really is yeah. true like may, there's probably a piece of truth in that um, right. And then being right. able to like, like you said, sort of like take in the pieces <laughs> that are going to be supportive to me and leave the pieces that yes. are flawed or right. aren't going right. to be supportive to me. Yeah. And I love that word discernment. That's a really good way. Cause a lot of what I'm talking about is finding the balance between different things. And then I think the key to that is discernment. Like how do we recognize the value, but also let go of the part that doesn't have value or doesn't fit for us. Yeah. 
So was there a time in your life when you didn't trust yourself? Mm -hmm. And what was that like? Yes. Um, I would say with this question, I mean, the honest answer is I, I still struggle with this. And I think a lot of us do. And I, I want to normalize that um, trusting ourselves isn't necessarily a destination that we reach where like now I always trust myself forever and um, there's no more work to be done. That it is a work in progress, I think, for most of us. And that's okay. Um, and that's mm -hmm. normal. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say when it's been at its worse or um, when I've really struggled with it, um, some of the things that I see are excessive worry, difficulty with decision making, um, needing a lot of validation from other people. Um, those are some of the signs that I'm too much in the, like, the self-doubt or worry um, when I'm having trouble making decisions or moving forward on my own. And sometimes we just have to take a chance and make the best decision that we can. But I think those are some of the indicators for me when I've really struggled with it the most is like really feeling stuck and needing other people's approval, mm -hmm. um, worrying excessively about what other people are gonna think about decisions that I make and then getting stuck there. Yeah, yeah. and I think those are, those are all so common and I appreciate your desire to normalize those because I do think we need that because people, yeah. I think there's this story that we have that we have to be so self-assured and not questioning. Right. But right. um, that's not always true. And even there are times, like you said, yeah. when I may not fully trust myself, but I need to take a step forward. And, yeah, exactly. And I just like move forward anyway. And in some sense, I yeah. think we need to trust in our own resiliency that we can take those unsure steps and that right. no matter which way it goes, we'll <laughs> work through it. You know, exactly. it might be There's a failure, but step. we'll learn and we'll grow. And yeah, we forward. can take the next step from there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I mean, you had touched on this and I brought it up earlier. I do, I'm, I'm suspicious of people who don't <laughs> ever second guess themselves or don't have any sort of, um, you know, I, I do think there's that balance of, um, and it's tricky to know like how much to take in feedback and sort of perspective from the world around us and when to say like, no, I am 100% sure of myself and confident in this. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I actually think that that questioning helps us to build trust in ourselves. Like the more that we um, can learn how to engage with that in a healthy way, it actually helps us to that flexibility to learn new behaviors, to look at ourselves in a new way, I think can help to build self-trust. Like, yeah, I can trust myself because I'm also, you know, like willing to learn and grow and engage with my decision-making in new ways. Yeah, I really like that, that thought, yeah. that idea of um, being open to, mm -hmm. to the growth and the learning because, um, yeah. Yeah, that really does just build our trust because, again, that's, that's sort of the trust and that resiliency that um, right. I can make a decision and if it doesn't go well, that's okay. I'm going to learn and I'm going to shift and right. keep going. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it gets away from this sort of perfectionistic, like I have to make the right decision and it has to be a success and otherwise, like that black and white thinking, I think can be really damaging when we don't allow, yeah, don't allow the option to like, 
make a wrong decision or, you know, have to make a decision and change our minds again and like allowing it to be a more flexible process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So we talked about this a little bit, but I wonder if you had more thoughts on this, which is the mm -hmm. idea of science and research and how that fits mm -hmm. into our self-trust and this idea that there's like a right way and I wonder maybe this comes right. in with your um, your your mental health work because there's probably lots of research yeah. around that <laughs> and how that affects right. you. Right, right, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I don't, I couldn't put an exact number on it, but obviously, I have to do a lot of continuing education, and the research is important. You know, it's important for me to know what's going on in the field and what we're learning about trauma and what we're learning about how people change and about what's effective in therapy and not, um, that is, that is definitely important. Um, but I also think the most important effective part of therapy is actually not the training and the research and the education, that it's really more the personal connection. It's the empathy and the listening and the connection with the other person. Mm -hmm. um, and so the research is important but i feel like there's something bigger that actually is it feels like the more important piece of what's happening in therapy mm -hmm. um and like i touched on with um talking about experts i mean i think the same with science and research it's it has its value but it's also flawed and we need some discernment about it and um, you know, a lot of science and research have come from white men throughout <laughs> the generations. And um, like, it's not, it, it, some of it is skewed and some of it is flawed and not representational. And, um, and I think it's also a more um, masculine lens um, mm -hmm. as opposed to the feminine, which is more emotional or intuitive or spiritual or, um, things that we can't necessarily quantify or um, like put on a spreadsheet and, you know, sort of calculate right. what, what something means or what the value is. Um, and luckily, I think we're in a time where it feels like that's shifting a little bit, I hope. Um, but yeah, I think science and research has its place, of course, but it's I think a lot of what we're talking about with self-trust is about paying attention to the emotional self and the intuition and sort of processes that aren't necessarily always linear or, um, you know, left-brained or sort of more like masculine analytical type energy. Um, and so I think that's, that's where I can kind of balance that out and say like research is great, but it's not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. um, and also the more that I'm living in connection with nature, I just see that like what we've learned and what we've researched and what we've built our lives on is also so damaging to the world around us. And mm -hmm. I think that really puts things in perspective of like so much of what we've learned and what we've created in our lives is actually really harmful and you know we again the discernment of like and we all have to live in the world as it is you know mm -hmm. that's like a whole bigger <laughs> it's probably a whole nother topic that i'm getting into here but um yeah i i guess i'm just learning and seeing things that allow me to take the science and research a little bit more with a grain of salt and trying to discern 
what what is the value and at what point can I say like okay I know what the research is and there's other information available to me that's also important mm -hmm. yeah and I think sometimes taking in that information allows us to and you mentioned this a little bit earlier as well <clears throat> kind of bolster up our our own beliefs and our self-trust because we can look at that and right. go like, okay, I have all that information right. and now I still feel this way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you saying like taking an information that might be counter to what your belief is, but being able to say like, I have the information and I don't yeah. entirely agree with it. Yeah. I still have a different feeling about this. Yeah. Yeah. And it, in some ways, I think that can just make our case stronger for ourselves mm -hmm. because right. we're not surprised right. by um, right. the opposite opinion coming in or something like, yep, I've considered that right. and I still land here. <laughs> yes. No, I love that because that's a way, that's again, part of the value of taking in feedback and taking in other perspectives is it allows us more... Um, yeah, it probably empowers us more in terms of making it a, like, yeah, I have the information and I'm still choosing this. Like, this is still the thing that feels right for me. Yeah. But that's harder to do when our, when our, our self-trust feels a little weak because we're going right. to look at that information more as like, well, those people knew more than right. me. And what, who am I to like think differently? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes just knowing that you know, there's, there's value in the questioners and the dissenters and the people who say, but why do we do it this way? Mm -hmm. Like there's, um, and sometimes coming back to that of just because everybody else is saying this is the way that it is, that doesn't actually make it true. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's, it's so much harder to do that when everybody, you know, if all your friends and family or society or research, you know, or experts are saying something different, it can be hard to stand by that and say, well, I actually, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if we're getting it right. Maybe there's another way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that kind of relates to my next question, which is about, um, when I think about radical self-trust, I think about that going against the grain, like going against these, these yeah. common mm -hmm. ideas. So was there ever a time you went against the grain and trusted your instinct with positive results? Yeah. And how did you handle the naysayers and how did that work? Yeah, so the story that I wanna share here, I don't know if it's, it probably felt big to me. It might seem like kind of a small example, but it's more of an example of um, doing something unconventional. Mm -hmm which I, I really love. I love watching other people do things that just are not the conventional choice to make. Um, so the example that came to mind is after grad school. So I graduated with my master's degree and the first job that I got out of grad school was like my first professional job. I had a master's degree. I was salaried. Um, and I, 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 maybe, maybe when I started, I liked it because it was new and it was kind of exciting but over time i i i hated this job it wasn't mm. a good fit for me it wasn't what i was meant to do um and i tend to stick with things for a while and so i was there for a couple years but during the time that i was there i accidentally just randomly ended up a friend invited me to go to a dance class with her and i went 
it wasn't even my idea. It was just kind of on a whim, like, sure, I'll, you know, if you want to go, I'll go with you. And I went and I fell in love and was so obsessed with it. And I started going to this dance studio um, every week and I rearranged my schedule. And this was like my thing. This was the first probably big passion that I had in my life where I found something that was like, I am so obsessed with this thing. I want to do it all the time. Um, and so there was a time at my job that I remember from, and I might be misremembering the details a little bit, but from what I remember, I think I cut back my hours or I rearranged my schedule because I wanted to start taking classes, dance classes at the community college. And this was like the thing that I was really into and I wanted to learn and grow. Um, and I was a beginner. I had never danced as a kid. So it wasn't like I was trying to be a professional dancer or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember somebody at my job asking me one day and just kind of being like, oh, so you're going back to school or you getting your PhD or what? And however they, however they said it implied like, oh, you must be like getting some advanced degree or doing something to further your career. And I remember feeling sort of embarrassed at being like, no, I'm just taking beginner level dance classes at the <laughs> community college because I just really love it. Um, I don't, I don't think there were a lot of conversations, but for whatever reason, that one stood out to me because it, what I, whatever the conversation was or however the question was asked to me, there was a clear reflection of, you have a master's degree, you're in this career, if you are cutting back your hours to go back to school, like it must be to somehow advance your career or your degree. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like there weren't even words to say, no, I just had discovered this passion, this thing that I really love to do. And I'm willing to work part time and rearrange my life to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if you relate to that, but that experience of like being in a culture where you just like feel people's expectations about what you're supposed to do. Okay. And it wasn't, it didn't affect anybody else. It's like, it's nobody else's business, what I do with my life or what decisions I make. But it still felt like this sort of heavy thing of like, I'm making this decision that's not really conventional, that I can't mm -hmm. explain to people in a way that they can get on board with it or that they could even, it was almost like they couldn't even wrap their heads around it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I had um, actually a very similar experience because I... Oh, really? I did yeah. the same. Actually, I, I switched to part-time so that mm -hmm. I could learn how to teach Pilates and go to massage school. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yes. it was like the same sort of thing. And it exactly. was not in, in my job. It wasn't like part-time was actually just recently even like a thing that you could ask for. Right. Um, right. And my boss at the time was like super anti-part-time. Like he didn't want to yeah. deal with that. Um, but I went for it and he was like, well, yeah. I'd rather have you here than not here at all. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you remember any comments or just sort of weird and even sometimes it's really subtle, but you can just feel that like people don't understand or they think it's weird or they're judging me because this isn't a conventional yeah. decision in some way. Yeah. I didn't get the judgment piece, but I definitely got the confusion because, well, partly because right. there were not a lot of people part-time. And so right. 
First I had all, to yeah. really push on boundaries because people would like, you know, I basically, I think I didn't work Fridays. So like people would schedule right. me on Fridays or like expect me to be doing things on Fridays. And I'm like, I am not yeah. here. <laughs> like, I do yeah. not work on Fridays. So it was just hard for people to yeah. get their head around because that wasn't right. how things were. Yeah. Or even just that right there. Like, why would somebody choose to work part-time if they can work full-time, which to me makes perfect. There's a million reasons to do that, but it sounds like even that was part of the culture of like, we just work full-time. That's what everybody should do or should want to do. Yeah. 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 And it's also <laughs> a company that people work like all the time. <laughs> like they're just like, right. They're very flexible yeah. hours. So people are just there all the time. And you know, so it yeah. was just very, different to have such yeah. boundaried work time right it took and a that's lot of discipline I've seen a lot yeah and I've seen that a lot with clients just like in the culture of like a grind culture if they're in a workplace culture where people are working extra hours that it can feel really hard and like they're doing something weird or like unconventional by setting boundaries about how many hours yeah. they work but even that can get a lot of pushback and people have to really trust themselves and really kind of dig in and be like, no, this is what I've decided. And this is what works for me. And this is what my boundaries are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing in our culture for sure. That sort yeah. of idea that we have to be always on and go, go, go. And, and those right. of us that try to have a more boundary life, even like a cyclical mm -hmm. night nature, it's just hard to, um, yeah it's easy to question yourself because it's like, you know, yeah. well, why do I get to leave early or go to bed early when no one else does or those kind of right, things. Right. Right. No, that's one that makes us question ourselves a lot. It, it feels like there almost isn't even language to talk about it to be like, we're talking about different things when we say like, no, I need time off or I need rest or, you know, it's, there's such a pushback on, just because busyness has been normalized so much that it feels like it's hard to explain to people or we have to justify doing something other than that. Yeah. 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 Like you have to be sick or unwell or something to. Exactly. Take time you off have to rest. earn it or right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Earn it or somehow justify it or yeah. 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 Um, what practices in support structures do you have in place for, trusting yourself yeah so um it's funny because I came up with two categories two sort of opposing categories of answers so um the first one is about making space for myself um and I I've noticed you know like I said I moved from the city to the the country and I think just being in a place that's quiet um and, and let me say, this, this doesn't mean that you have to live out in the country or be in a place that's quiet, but um, there's something for me about quietness and space, whatever that looks like. Um, for me, it's, you know, journaling, spending time to be able to just focus on my thoughts and really collecting my thoughts. Um, it might be spending time in nature, it might be meditating. Um, but that if I'm around too much stimulation, then I feel like I'm always responding to stimulation, whether that's being around a lot of people or being busy. Um, it's hard for me to get 
clear about what I'm needing if I feel like I'm constantly responding to what's happening around me. And so I think about that in terms of like, and I talk about this with self-care to me is a lot about creating space for yourself. Like how do mm -hmm. I even make space and time for me to feel my feelings, for me to reflect on my thoughts, for me to get clear about what I'm needing. Um, and I like journaling a lot because I've noticed that over like over a long enough time frame, I'll keep writing about the same things and I can go back and say, oh, I've been writing about being in nature for a long time. Like clearly that's something that I'm needing more of. Um, or I've been writing about wanting to make a career change for a long time. Like clearly th that's something that keeps showing up for me. Um, and so it's not necessarily every time I write that something amazing or groundbreaking comes out, but I found more over time, there are themes that emerge that really, at that point it becomes really clear, like how many times does this theme show up in my writing, you know, mm -hmm. it's like pretty clear that there's a message here. Um, so any sort of practices where you can slow down, be quiet, get clear about, you know, even just making space for your feelings, like having space to feel your feelings, having, having space to have your thoughts and reflect on what's going on in your life and what you're needing. Um, and so then the other category that I think of is um, my relationships with other people and my support system. And again, like I said earlier, I think, you know, even though self-trust comes from ourselves, I think there's a lot of value in being able to do that in relationship with other people and having support from other people. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's, I mean, for me, it's been a therapist, it's been a coach, um, you know, whether that's a professional or whether it's friendships, you know, family, friends, um, and the, the people who we consider the safe people in our lives that we, we trust them to be able to be vulnerable with them. Um, we trust their feedback or they have similar values to us. We trust their perspective on things. And just because somebody else says it, it doesn't mean it's true or it doesn't mean it's right for us. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of value in being able to hear other people's reflections. You know, I've had people reflect back things about my behavior, about a situation I was in that I wasn't able to see mm -hmm. that has been really helpful. Um, I've had people reinforce a way that I was already feeling that felt really helpful when I was sort of doubting myself and saying, no, you're your feelings about this are, are right and you know you're you're valid in feeling the way that you feel um and sometimes it's just other people to kind of bounce ideas off of or kind of get a different perspective and it it is interesting if you talk to 10 different people you might get 10 different responses but but there's something interesting about saying like oh look at all the different ways that people other people would approach this situation which one feels right for me mm -hmm. Um, but even if we get different responses from people, there, there can be some value in just knowing like, oh yeah, there's a lot of different ways that I could approach this situation, but um, the goal is figuring out what's the one that feels true for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like what you were saying about creating that space to basically like respond to yourself versus always responding to the outside. And I do yeah, think that's, right. that's super important just to... Right. Have space for listening, listening to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, you could go 
you know, it might be that I have a conversation with somebody and I take in their feedback or their reflections and then I make space to sit with that and say, mm -hmm. how does this feel for me? Is this true for me? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a mindfulness exercise I use that I like that's just using the breath to like take in whatever the, the feedback or the words that somebody else shares and then breathe it out. And um, just knowing it's okay to take it in and it's also okay to let it go if it mm -hmm. doesn't fit for us. Because um, again, there's a value in that permeable boundary or that flexibility of um, I'm not so rigid that I, I refuse to hear what, what other people say or to take in another perspective, but having some sort of process of like, yeah, I can, I can take it in and I can also let it go if it's not, if it's not good for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That image is good for me. I like that. Yeah. I'm thinking of sort of like a, a sieve in a way of like pulling it in and like keeping yes. what is helpful and yeah. letting the rest go out. I love that. That's a great image. Yeah. And the breath is good for, because there's the in and the out, like the breath is good for taking things in and then releasing mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we know, you know, if somebody says something that's true for us, I think, you know, it's helpful to sit with it, but I think generally at some point we, we know whether that's really true for us or not. And we know when it's not true when somebody says something and we're like, that just doesn't, I would never do that. Or that just doesn't mm -hmm. feel like that those aren't my values or that's not the way I would handle something. Um, you know, and sometimes it takes a little bit of reflection, but being able, being willing to take it in and, and say like, okay, I'm willing to take this in and look at it and then mm -hmm. release it if it's not, if it's not working for me. Yeah. Yeah. That openness yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a yeah. great word. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan, for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. This was really fun. Thank you for joining me in the Garden of Belonging. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any others. And if you leave a review, it really helps it reach and support more people. If you'd like to explore these topics more deeply, join me in the Garden of Belonging community. There's a link in the show notes for more information about that. Until next time, take care of you. Music in this episode by Dan O. Songs. <laughs>